1: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre recorded.
2: This is Women to Watch. To rise
3: above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
2: Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world.
4: It is for those frightened children who want peace, it is for those voiceless children. Who want change?
2: Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from
5: living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given.
2: Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be
4: true is that women were always meant to lead, and by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice.
2: Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with all of you. Before we get started and I introduce our guest, I want to remind all of our listeners to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders bringing you news and education from their various industries. And we continue to be grateful for their support and the wisdom that they bring to the show every week. As we continue to expand into new markets, we are always looking for additional corporate partners. So if you're interested in being a part of the show, please email taylor at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And don't forget to download the podcast each week so that you never miss a show. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. So you can stay in the loop on all things women to watch. Now, I'm very excited and thrilled to welcome to the show Dana Snyder. Dana is the founder and CEO of Positive Equation, which is a digital marketing company. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I think we have to give a quick shout out to my dear friend, Karen McNamara, who I think connected the two of us. Uh, She met you at an event and and described you as quite the dynamo um, and someone that, you know, who we
6: should have on and and to share the story. Love that. Yeah, we connected via LinkedIn. The power of digital. There you go.
4: Perfect example. (laughs) (laughs) um so listen I want to start with your background and um I understand you grew up in Sarasota Florida I did can you talk a little bit about what was the community like there it's completely different from the east coast for sure
6: yeah so I mean Sarasota Florida has evolved so much um as a city so I was born in 1989 and I grew up Kind of in North Sarasota, there wasn't a whole lot there. It was a lot of horse pastures, actually. Oh, wow. Like, literally in my neighborhood, which sounds hilarious. Now that it's, like, a metropolitan, Mecca, Siesta Key, the famous beach there, wasn't really known to a lot of people. And now it's been on every famous beach listing known to mankind. Um, so it's, the city itself has evolved a lot. But it's been a very – it's always been a very philanthropic town. There are hundreds of nonprofits within Sarasota and neighboring Manatee County. And so, honestly, I grew up single child, um, two parent household. Parents are still together, going strong, 34 years, which is very rare um, yes. in today's day and age.
4: Yeah, that's and awesome.
6: And so, yeah, so single kid. So, got to do a lot of amazing things. And I grew up in church and something that was very common that i did every summer was going on mission trips and so in sarasota from mission trips to um being involved in church to doing like the beach life i ironically and this is like (laughs) the most non-florida girl thing to say is I I did figure skating as my sport growing up for years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My parents probably loved that one. They were commuting me like 45 minutes each way to go skate almost every day when I got pretty competitive. So um, I love Sarasota. It's a beautiful town, um, very philanthropic, and it's grown tremendously over the years.
4: Tell me about tell me about those mission trips, because you were you were fairly young. I read you were in grade school when you started to go on those trips. And I think that takes, you know, um, some courage to do that. Where where did you go? and, And do you have a memory of the most impactful experience that you had doing that?
6: Yeah, great question. So when I was younger, they were mostly local because they would be day summer camps. So we would go to the local homeless shelter um, and give out mugs or serve food, which I guess now looking back, when you're 10 or 11 years old, it was very eye-opening. And we would sit and have conversations with them and understand their experience and their background. But I think also when you're a kid, there is no judgment. There is no fear. There is no... You're just kind of like, that's a person. And we're out there helping them. And so... I think, sadly, as adults, that kind of blinder comes on or it gets a little bit hazy where there's that maybe gap, maybe a mistrust that could happen or fearfulness. And I don't remember that at all from when I was a kid, like walking down the streets and handing out mugs to people. Um, We also worked with the Seeing Eye Dogs. So we would train. We would go around with the dogs that were going to be seeing eye dogs and go through their walk with them so that they could continue to practice that with different people. Um, oh, gosh, so much. And then as I got older into, I would say probably eighth grade high school, we went to North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, um, so the south. And that's where we started doing some more physical projects. Um, Building bridges, clearing trails. There was one experience I definitely remember. Um, I think I was in ninth grade, and we were repainting this. These women's home. One woman there had cancer. They were all really heavy smokers, um, very low income. The walls were yellow, like stained from tobacco, mm. and we had to go in and first clean the walls. And then repaint them and we had to take breaks like 20 minutes in and out because of the smell and we stayed there i remember we were only supposed to be there it might have been like a nine to noon kind of project but we weren't done and we really wanted to finish so the rest of the groups all went back to camp and we stayed until 6 p.m and i remember because we did multiple rooms and then our group went out afterwards for a dinner But that was really impactful, because I think we bonded so much, and then the women were so appreciative um, of our time, and then we got to know them more by staying there longer and not just going in and doing the work, but having the conversations while we were doing the work. So yeah, it's interesting. I haven't really thought about that in a long time, so I appreciate Mm -hmm. you bringing up that question.
4: Well, I think it's, you know, you've spoken yourself about the power of storytelling. And I think whenever, um, or I should say before we know someone's story, we'd have judgments just, you know, naturally. Totally. So when you find, and I think you're right too, about being a child, there is no judgment. There's nothing there. Um, and then you learn how someone ended up in that place. That's always a lesson, a life lesson.
6: Yeah. Absolutely. Another one we were this was later. I went back and I volunteered as an adult with our youth group in Chicago. And we were in downtown Chicago and our guide had said there are shootings on the corners. Wow. And so I will we stayed at actually it was it was incredible. We stayed at the church where Martin Luther King had spoke. So wow. we like slept on the floors and we were doing outreach and different projects in the city. But it was interesting seeing it then through the eyes of the high school students as an adult.
4: Yeah. Was right.
6: fabulous. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Were your parents ever concerned about that or were they very much encouraging you to go and be in these places so that you can see how fortunate you are?
6: Oh, yeah. My parents, (laughs) back then I probably was annoyed that they were so involved, but they were on those mission trips. One of them was probably volunteering as the adult chaperone. Oh, okay. They were with you then. Yeah. They were with me. Maybe they weren't in my group doing that activity because I was like, come on, just give me like a little bit of distance. (laughs) But, um, oh, yeah, they were there. And then my dad still uh, volunteers with the youth group at church going on trips.
4: Yeah, I think that's great. Um, Listen, we're going to go into our first break. Thank you for being with us. I'm I'm joined by Dana Snyder, the founder and CEO of Positive Equation, which is a digital marketing company uh, for nonprofits currently based in Atlanta. Um, When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that you went off to school and got your bachelor's degree in advertising and PR. And here you are still kind of in that same arena, which is interesting to me. So... Stay with us for our watch team and we will be back with Dana.
2: Now the
3: women to watch health watch for health watch. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie this morning on your radio doctor police officer, Carl Harper offered tips for personal safety. The overriding theme be alert in the neighborhood at home, leaving work, be aware of the people around you and avoid risky situations, dark alleys, parking lots, When possible, travel with a friend. Walk close to the curb. Avoid doorways, bushes, alleys where somebody could be hiding. Walk at a steady pace and look people in the eye. Then they'll know you'll remember them later. Secure your purse close to your body, but remember, sometimes it's safer to let it go. Don't text while you're driving or walking. It distracts you from traffic and makes you an easy target for a stranger. At home, if you can't afford an alarm system, put a few lights on timers. Don't post vacation plans on social media. You're announcing that your home is empty. Most police forces will provide vacant house checks too. And if the doorbell rings unexpectedly, have your cell phone ready to call 911 if you're suspicious and don't open the door. As you walk to your car, click only once to open the driver's door. Click twice, you open all doors, making it easier for a stranger to hop in. Lock your doors as you enter and leave your vehicle. Don't hunk your horn in anger. The other driver might be unstable. If you get a flat tire, stay in the car till help comes. And if you think you're being followed, drive to a well-lit public place, police, fire station, and call 911. New baby in the family? Many police stations now offer to properly insert the base of your car seat. Great for parents, grandparents, babysitters. On a bus or train, have your ticket or exact change ready. Don't stand with your wallet open. Then keep your purse on your lap. Don't flash your jewelry. Turn your rings around so stones don't show. At work, no valuables in your desk. If leaving late, get security to walk you to your car. Hear the entire show on YourRadioDoctor.com. Stay awake, divas.
2: This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm joined
4: by Dana Snyder, the founder and CEO of Positive Equation, which is a digital marketing company for nonprofits, which is very cool, and based in Atlanta. Um, I always find it interesting when I'm sharing someone's story to see whether... They kind of go in and out of multiple industries and end up someplace, or they start out, you know, with an interest in, in one field and kind of stay there. And you received your bachelor's in advertising and PR from the University of Central Florida.
6: Go Knights.
4: The, okay, <laughs> go Knights. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, but, you know, tell me what it was about that field that, that attracted you
6: to it. Um, so I knew in high school, in high school, I went to a visual performing arts school and I was in their TV production field, okay. so you spent, it was very interesting, you spent half of your day in the VPA program and then the other half of your day in your academics. And at the time in high school, I wanted to be a newsacre, okay. um, specifically in sports. I wanted to be like a sideline reporter with the NFL or the NBA. And, Which um, you could
4: have, by the way. I think you very well could have.
6: <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I did dabble in sports for a while. That was kind of what I first did. Um, so I knew I wanted to be in journalism a bit. Mm-hmm. And then we actually, I ran the news at our high school and was the anchor and read the teleprompter and we had a whole set and everything. And then when I got to college, I... I was fascinated by, in the same vein as the sports world, I was fascinated by Super Bowl commercials. And I was like, There's some of the best. They're some of the best. They're funny, they're engaging, they're emotional, they're intriguing, they capture your attention. The whole world pays attention to them just as much as the game. And I honestly was like, let me try out, a lot of things were shifting in the world with broadcast and journalism overall at the time. So I started college in 2007. And ironically, social media was just starting. So for perspective back then, Facebook, to get on Facebook, you still had to have a .edu email address. So it was very specific for the college age back then. There weren't companies on there. It was Mm -hmm. their advertising. I think the advertising platform had just started, but it was very minimal. So that wasn't really seen. So ad PR was interesting to me And literally, I took my first class, and I was sold. And I was like, yes, I love this. Um, And then through college, my favorite class was campaigns, when we actually got to do the creative brainstorming of putting together an actual ad campaign and what that would look like. Um, And then that led to me, further along in a couple years, moving to New York City to work in the space, yeah.
4: Okay. Tell me what you you've worked for some you know very um, well known companies, um, organizations, American Idol, The Honest Company, Sports Illustrated, Dress for Success, great organization. Um, Can you? Is there someone from that time that left an impression on you? Because I would imagine you met a lot of interesting people, um, and perhaps were surprised. by some and and not by others, but was there anyone during that time that just left an impression?
6: Yeah. Oh my gosh, so many. Um, I'll try and say this as quickly as possible. So, <laughs> <laughs> my my first my first job was working for a nonprofit in Sarasota, Florida. I moved back, and then after about two and a half years, I decided to pursue my dream of living in New York City. And so my I've had the Fortunate pleasure of having incredible bosses and leadership that I have worked for, men and women. And my first boss, Dave Nugent, was incredible at because I was, I moved to New York City when I was 23. So you think like you got it together, right? You think you know what's going on in the business world. And I had no idea, (laughs) I had no clue. And he was so patient with me, but also brought me into the meetings with the C-suite, right? So I could hear the conversations. I was traveling from New York to Los Angeles. I was in the rooms with the C-suites of the NFL, NASCAR, PGA Tour, like Madison Square Garden. And I learned by listening to how they held themselves Mm. and when there were um, debates, maybe, right? And like how they worked through that in those conversations, so I'd say he was absolutely one, and then another pinnacle moment when I was in New York when I decided to leave the PR firm I was working for. I actually called the CM, the then CMO of the Weather Channel, Annie House. She, the Weather Channel was a client of ours, okay. and I was her client rep mm-hmm. um, at the company, but we had created a friendship and. I just called her and I was like, am I crazy for wanting to do this, like to leave my job and to start a company where I have no clients right now. And she happened to be in New York because Weather Channel is based in Atlanta. And she's like, let's go grab a drink. Let's talk it out. And she honestly was wonderful um, then and now as someone who's continued to just be a voice of reason and ear and helpful with connections.
4: So you you must have had some belief in yourself to to decide to do that, right? I think a lot of people, um, if you have a job and you're working for someone and it's steady pay and um, I'm always curious to know, you know, did you always have a belief in your abilities or did it kind of develop over time and, and, and get stronger where you felt confident enough to start your own business?
6: I wonder that a lot of the time, too. Um, Growing up, so my dad owns his own business. Okay. And he traveled corporate. And then when I was in middle school, he stopped so that he could not miss so much of my life growing up. Because he traveled like three weeks out of a month. And I saw him grow his business. I'm not sure if that subconsciously was always there. Right. Um, But I think what I realized is I would leave a job after like two and a half years. That was like my time period where I either wanted to change something and the company wasn't changing enough quickly for me. Mm -hmm. And I got restless. And I think I always wanted to, when you're working with a big company, right, obviously it takes time. There's processes and there's people and there's things. So it can't happen super quick. But I was just, I wanted things to change. I wanted things to move. I had an idea. And they couldn't be executed all the time. So I, I read a book... Good as the New Cool by Afdel Aziz. It's amazing. And six months like after reading that book, I got to hear him speak in New York. That was the pinnacle moment after reading that book because it's all about purpose um, and companies driven by purpose. And at the time, purpose was still like a buzzword. It wasn't mm-hmm. nearly ingrained into society as much as it is now because this was in 2013. No, this was 2017, 2016. Mm -hmm. And yeah, after reading that book, I was just like, let's just do it. I I honestly, I think I felt that I had worked enough in the corporate world to build connections where people trusted me and knew Mm -hmm. me that I could just figure it out.
4: Yeah, I love that. We're going to go into our next break. Stay with us for our watch team. And um, we'll be back with Dana Snyder, the founder and
2: CEO of Positive Equation. Now, the Women to Watch, Nonprofit
7: Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I am Cheryl Mackey, lead of financial empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. Research continually suggests that higher education offers a wide range of benefits for individuals, such as higher earnings, lower likelihood of unemployment, improvements in health, and greater civic engagement. When an individual graduates from college, their lifetime earnings... You have
1: one unheard
7: message.
0: Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop
1: double, and the way is paved
7: for future generations of their families to pursue the path to and through college. Daniel Lurie says, founder and CEO of Tipping Point Community, as the first person in my family to receive both a post-secondary and advanced degree, I can attest to the doors that open for my family. Currently, I have three family members in education, a retired firefighter, a nurse, an attorney, three nephews, and a son who are enrolled in post-secondary education. Even my mother returned to school later in life. While the cost of college increases yearly, in the 2020-2021 academic year, most colleges and universities have refrained from increasing tuition costs to meet the economic needs of families during the pandemic. However, college expenses are still more than most low-to-moderate-income families can afford. The College Savings Account Program, through our community partner, Utility Emergency Services Fund, or UESF, help low-to-moderate-income high school seniors, college freshmen, and sophomores in the greater Philadelphia and southern New Jersey region with incentive-saving matches that can build their assets and attain greater self-sufficiency. Students with dedicated college savings of $500 or less are three times more likely to attend college and four times more likely to graduate from college than those without savings. The Lubert CSA programs will afford recent high school graduates as well as those who have enrolled an opportunity to reach their goal of attaining a four-year degree. For more information, please contact Sarita Stanley at saritastanleyatuesfacts.org or go to their website, www.uesfacts.org. I'm Cheryl Mackey. Thanks for listening.
4: Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net,
2: N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
4: Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Dana Snyder. And um, Dana, I wanted to share a quote, something that you said that I I thought was interesting. You said, I believe positive stories of change can transform our world to be a better place. And I wanted to ask you if if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing. What's at the top of your list um, for something you'd like to
6: change on a large scale like that? Oh, wow. Great question. Something that I say in my company, my purpose and mission of what I do through Positive Equation is I really would like to change the perception of digital marketing and the value of professional development in the nonprofit industry. So talking very big, kind of removing the scarcity mindset that we have Or that most a lot of the nonprofit sector has into one of abundance and and into ask why not, right? Um, I think that's where that quote comes from because working in the social media space, and there's been a lot of news about this recently, and because we all have are going through COVID, the powerful positive stories surrounding covid like at the very beginning when pots and pans right were happening outside in new york city in support of the workers when people were playing music um, on their balconies Mm -hmm. in europe those stories were beautiful and far surpass um, the impact that a negative story is going to create and so i'm like if we could change the perception and believe in the power that digital has for a positive purpose I wish like my feed would be just full of those positive beautiful stories that come up.
4: Mm. Do you so uh, it makes me think about um John Krasinski's uh podcast. Oh my gosh, I wish he was still doing that, right? That was yes. his s- YouTube
6: show was hilarious.
4: Hilarious. And yeah, he's just brilliant to do that and and doing it at a time that, you know, the world needed it. Yeah. What what is it that you think is so powerful about, um, you you know, there are a lot of negatives to the Internet. That's just because there's always going to be some negative people. I always like to tell my kids, you know, there's so many more better people in the world than bad. So as, as someone who runs a company like you do, what is it that you focus on or what's a priority in all of the projects that you do to help a client? bring that positive message forward
6: yeah a lot of what we talk about is community it's like cultivating a community online so I think there's been this old school mentality of you just post on social media and then you like retreat and you go back to your your job in the next task Kind of like ghosting if somebody was to text you and then you leave. You don't want to do that on social. You want to really engage and form relationships with the people that have entrusted to follow you. I think we forget that the followers we have online are people. They're human beings behind a screen. And everyone engages with your content one post at a time. So I always like to A, instill a sense of engagement have conversations. Um, send voice direct messages on Instagram. Think about each specific platform and why people go there and how can you serve them there differently. Because what people go to Facebook for is different what they might go to YouTube for versus LinkedIn versus TikTok, right? So really thinking about how are you providing value? How are you entertaining? That's a big thing now. Um, and then how are you overall just engaging with them once they are involved into your community online. Can
4: you tell me what some of your own favorite questions are to ask when you get a new client? My guess is, you know, the first thing you're going to do is is ask them questions to get to know right who they are, what they're looking for, what their challenges are. Do you have a couple of favorite questions that you like to ask that you think really give you insight and um, in the right direction?
6: Yeah, so there's two main ones. I always ask about their data. I ask them if they know their data. <laughs> um, I ask them do you have Google Analytics? Are you watching what's happening on your website? What pages people are going to? Um, what, are, what are your audiences on each platform? Because you don't need to be on them all. Mm-hmm. You really only need to be where the audience you're looking for is. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot on the data side, which I do, like, 30-plus page decks, so there's a lot that goes into data. And then, because you have to understand your data to tell the right story, or else it's just a bunch of numbers on a screen, right? Do you um, like
4: that? Is that fun for you? Oh, yeah.
6: Okay. I kick out on data. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it literally uncovers so many things. I mean, just one example of this, I was working with an organization doing a social media audit, and it's more, it's more than social media, but that's what I call it. And... I was looking at their Google Analytics and I said, there's a big difference on your donation page from mobile to desktop in terms of conversion. And so I looked at it and I went on mobile and on mobile, it was taking people to a completely new website, which had a slow load speed. So people were just being like, oh, I'm checked out. If yeah. if your website takes more than one to three seconds, really, really one to two seconds, someone's gone.
4: Right, yeah.
6: And desktop, it was quick. And it wasn't making you switch sites. And so the executive director was like, what? Are you kidding? And I was like, this is something, if you're not looking at that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. You might miss, it's a very small nuanced thing, but that mm. can be, thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars of potential donations so data is absolutely one um the other thing i look for a lot is brand voice companies should sound like a brand they should sound relatable to the audience that you're looking to serve Mm -hmm. in terms of your persona like what kind of character do you sound like some funny ones if you look at um like the Burger King or McDonald's of the world. Sometimes they don't even capitalize sentences. They use slang. That's part of their brand voice. Chick-fil-A, right? Definitely doesn't even spell words right. That's their decision as a brand. So mm-hmm. as an organization, you should think about who are we and do we sound relatable and not very corporate if that's not your brand? So there's a series of questions I ask that help develop an organization's brand voice, because that's that's on digital, yes, but that's also on your website, that's on your email communications, that's on print materials, um, that's your messaging as an organization. Movember I worked with does a beautiful job of this. They have like a forty-page brand guide where they they literally say like we say this, we don't say this. Um, these are certain phrases we say. This is how we address certain issues. So to be very clear so that when I worked with Movember, I came on as a consultant and it could have taken me forever to try and figure it out. But they're like, here you go, here's our brand guide deck and I could quickly understand how I should take over the accounts and be able to sound just like they sounded a month ago.
4: Mm, That's awesome. Um, Listen, we're gonna go into our last break and when we come back, I wanna talk to you about kind of the pros and cons of being an entrepreneur. Um, in case there's a listener who's contemplating doing something themselves. Stay with us. I'll be back with Dana Snyder, founder and CEO of Positive Equation.
5: We'll be right back.
2: Now, the women to watch Military Watch.
5: Hi, I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. Twenty years ago, the eyes of the world focused on the United States watching a nation endure tremendous horror and tragedy. Every year since, our nation dedicates September 11th as a National Day of Remembrance in honor of the nearly 3,000 victims of the world's largest terrorist attack. As we picked up the pieces, millions of military service members embarked on a generation-defining journey coined by George Bush as the often criticized name, the global war on terror. President Obama later declared that war over and the term was no longer officially used. Sifting through the complexities of the last 20 years, which was only magnified by the recent events in Afghanistan, I continue to reflect on how recent wars and conflicts have shaped the military community and its relationship with the American people. Over three-quarters of post-9-11 veterans have deployed overseas, and almost 30 percent have deployed three or more times throughout their military careers. As these men and women put themselves in harm's way year in and year out, I'm humbled to see how civilians continue to acknowledge and support them and their families. For example, 40% of military-serving nonprofit organizations were founded after 9-11. These community-focused groups, volunteers, and donors deliver a myriad of resources to meet the needs of service members and military families, such as career transition assistance or providing aid to our Gold Star families. So from the custom of thanking someone for their service to the fact that the U.S. military remains at the top of the list of the most respected American institutions. This coming Patriot Day, we can be proud that our nation is living up to George Washington's standard when he said, A nation is judged by how well it treats its veterans.
2: Now, more of Women To Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to
4: the show. I'm with Dana Snyder, the founder and CEO of Positive Equation. And I always like to hear from entrepreneurs, their feedback, experience, and, um, you know, what's challenging for you as an entrepreneur and what gets you most excited can you talk a little bit about what you know? Pros and cons. It's it can be scary to be running your own business. How do you manage yeah. it? Yeah, what's your what's your mantra for those stressful times?
6: Well, I would say it's evolved a lot. So I'm four years in now. Okay. Um, I'd say the first, I mean, the first year, two years, you're, like, you're just trying to figure it out. Um, my business has evolved so much since then. Um, my mantra, honestly, would be just start. You're never, you're never gonna get it perfect. What I did in 2017 when I first started my company is completely different than what I do now. I ran it as an agency model, um, providing um, strategy and execution for social media for nonprofits and purpose-driven businesses, and I've evolved to be a consultant and trainer and teacher. For nonprofits in the digital marketing space because I realized that once I had a six-month or annual retainer end, things typically went back to the status quo for the organization. And I was like, well, that's not really sustainable. So I tested just teaching and consulting with organizations with somebody internal. Therefore, they grew and knew more skills. They felt more confident and they could continue to change things in their organization once our work was done together. So, um, gosh, I mean, there's so many pros and cons. I love my freedom mm-hmm. of time. Are um, you working
4: from home or do you have a, an
6: office space? I am, yep. I work okay. from home. Um, I have since the beginning. That has proven to, at first... I just worked all the time. I would wake up at 7:30. I was living in a 400 square foot studio apartment in Los Angeles. and I would wake up in my pajamas, sit on my computer, go to work, and stop working at like 11 o'clock. I answered emails all the time because you felt like you needed to. I said yes to all the clients because I felt like I needed to. And now, I do not work like that (laughs) okay good um the balance has significantly shifted because that was just not possible to continue um i set much stronger boundaries for a balance now Mm -hmm. um i love being able to work with whoever i want to work with work when i want um but there's a lot there's a lot that i'm good at and there's stuff that i'm not great at and part of that learning process was I need to hire out for the things I'm not great at. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be doing my QuickBooks and trying to figure out and watching YouTube videos on how to make sure my books are balanced every single month, right? That, that wasn't a great use of my time. Although I was like, but I have to do it. I have to figure it out. No, I don't. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you in can... the beginning, you don't have the budget, right? For all the things that you don't do well, that's that juggle of, you know. Yeah. Trying to just keep it going.
6: Yeah, and then you realize, but what's interesting about that is, but did I? Because to find out what is the monthly rate of having a bookkeeper accountant versus how much is my hourly rate? And is my time better spent servicing clients and getting new business than working on my QuickBooks? So I think as an entrepreneur, something I strongly recommend, I would not be where I am without a community um, of other female entrepreneurs to learn from, to vent with, to celebrate with. Um, I invested this year in a mastermind program um, through Julie Solomon, and there's like 17 other female entrepreneurs in that group. And they bring in guest coaches, and we continue to learn all the time from each other and these guest coaches that come in to teach us, because things are always changing and evolving in what we do so I'd say surround yourself with like-minded people that I aspire to be I love to be challenged I love to be in a group of female entrepreneurs where I'm the smallest one and I can just learn from them and grow so that that has been a constant cadence of finding communities and building relationships with women that I really admire
4: Tell me how much you think, when I think about just women and girls in general, right? And this show is about really trying to help encourage more girls and women to to pursue those leadership positions, because I just think the world will be better. When you think about the gifts that women and girls have that are different from men and boys, how do you see um, the need to have more women in positions of authority and policy making? And, you know, why is it important to you?
6: I think there's a lot of importance around diversity in leadership for numerous reasons. Um, one big thing that I've just had from living in different cities is everyone has different experiences and beliefs and opinions. And if you don't have a wide variety of opinions and background and experience at a table, you're not getting a full scope of um, an issue or of an interest or of a brand, whatever it might be, to have a really meaningful conversation. So I think you need all different genders and races to be considered at a table. Something I talk about with nonprofits because they have board of directors is to make sure that you have a very diverse board, age-wise, gender-wise, race-wise, because everyone is living right at the same time but has very different cultural experiences. Mm-hmm. So it's important to absolutely bring a woman's voice into the conversation mm-hmm. whenever possible, and especially at that leadership level.
4: And probably quicker to finding a solution the more ideas oh, yeah. are you know, circling around.
6: Totally, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Um, Listen, we're at the end of the show, and I thank you so much for for coming on and sharing a little bit about your story, and I hope we can hear more of you in the future.
6: I love it. Thank you so much for having me.
4: That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my conversation with Yasmin Gramian. Excuse me. She's the Secretary of Transportation at PennDOT. Have a great week, everyone, and thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Suraco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the Radio Hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.